Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All the Things Podcast, episode 87. Where does Webflow fit? I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there's a couple of ways you could do that. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. We only have a couple of tiers, but that $3 tier will give you a shout-out in the podcast, and we will share a link to your website in our show notes. And probably the most important one is just to tell your friends that we are here and ready to be listened to. Share this, get this out there, and if you or your friends are ready to go a step further, you can come and hang out with us in our Discord server. Uh, we are uh, well over 300. I think it's well over 400 strong well now. Over 400, well yeah. over 400 strong now. Uh, everyone's chatting away about their PHP, their HTMLs, their Node, their whatever the heck you're, whatever the heck else you're into, movies, TV games, all that stuff. We're all chatting away in there. So come hang out with uh, with us in our Discord server. Link in the show notes, of course. Uh, but you know, as as usual, we got a little bit of pain this week, so uh, so Mike, weekly pain point, please take it away. All right, I think we have a little pain every week. It's a little, it's kind of sad. I'm always in pain. <laughs> it's a little bit sad. Uh, so my weekly pain point this week is moving. I'm gonna be moving uh, come this Saturday to a new apartment, um, and. It's especially painful because of what the situation that's going on with COVID-19. You're, you're a madman. You're, you're an absolute madman for leaving the home. Yeah, I'm leaving the home. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm limiting the amount of people that are helping. I'm limiting the amount of interaction and stuff like that. Trying to do it as quick as possible. We're going to be leaving some stuff to make it easier. Um, but we got to do it because we're going to be paying for it. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's That's what I've been kind of dealing with, you know, hooking up internet um organizing the moving truck all all that fun moving stuff so that's coming up for me what about you matt uh so my main point was actually today uh so we received our income tax uh for the first time or for the for the first time we received our income tax the first time uh <laughs> we were getting our in- income tax for uh, this year and uh it was we so our business has basically grown year over year over year over year, which is why we've continued to do it, obviously. We've seen growth, and so we keep going. So this is the first year that we actually owe some money. Now, I'm not going to go into the details due to security and that type of thing, and that's my business. But, uh, you know, it, it uh, it's a bit of a shock. Uh, quite a bit, quite a bit owed. Uh, more than we expected, although I'm always very conservative with my money. So I am ready to pay it, although there was also another problem where we owe for next year and all this other crap. So I'm really bad at taxes. I'm really bad at finances. I almost failed accounting in high school. Um, it was real. It, it's bad. I'm bad at accounting. So this really freaked me out. Uh, one good part of this weekly pain point is that, uh, well, first off, Mike and I figured it out, and it's actually not that bad. Uh, but my initial freak out, which is usually really bad, freaking out, swearing a, a whole bit, and ruining a shirt, uh, I just kind of like went with it. And during this exact same time, we had a very critical system go down right when it was needed. And uh, I was still chill, you know, worried, but just was like, okay, I got to go here. I got to call this person, talk to this person, talk to this person, do this, do this, do this, and just did it. And now it's all ironed out and that's it. So if that's any indication, it's I'm getting better at being calm, which is good. But also just do what you got to do when something goes, when shit hits the fan. Because if you're just going to panic, you I would never, or if I would have just panicked, I would have never solved the issue. Like I would never have solved the uh, system that gone that has gone down. I would have been freaking out about this financial thing. I would have made stupid decisions to pay it. Blah 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 blah. It's just the whole list goes on. So anyway, that's my weekly pain point. Stay calm, folks. Do what you got to do, and just keep the grind up, no matter what it is. Is my recommendation. 
from a person that is formally extremely an- antagonized all the time. I don't know if that's the right word, but animated. Usually I'm <laughs> animated in a negative way. I'm usually freaking out. So anyway, um, this is a me heavy episode. So you're going to get the animated me. Maybe I need a little animated me do like running. But anyway, um, this is going to be all about Webflow. So we covered Webflow and a few other episodes. We touched on it, you know, here and there. And then we also had another episode about web uh, website builders and stuff like that. And Webflow was a part of that. So I'm going to be kind of going over some of those same facts, of course. Uh, but then I'm also going to be talking about specifically, where does Webflow fit in the current market? Uh, so, you know, we every year or every year, every year we do a podcast. Every week we do a podcast. <laughs> and uh, there's like a lot of different things. There's a lot. There's React, Angular, like all these just brought up last in the last episode. We got uh, Wix, Squarespace. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there. So basically, this is going to be an episode where it's like, hey, where does Webflow fit? What's the Webflow difference, etc. I'm going to I'm going to be breaking this down into three key segments. So the first one is going to be uh, the market. So like where Webflow, like what what market Webflow is sort of in, and how I'm seeing it from my eyes through web, as a web developer person in the field professionally. The second one is going to be the Webflow difference. So what makes Webflow, you know, that different thing? What makes you want to click, buy, use Webflow? And the third one is going to be the Webflow limitations, which there are some, you know, sadly. And I'm going to talk about how I've gotten around them or what I found myself. I didn't, you know, go through with a fine-tooth comb and try every single feature. These are from my personal experience, um, as is this whole thing. So I've used Webflow quite a bit. Um, just a little bit of background. I've used Webflow quite a bit. I got three or four projects in there now. Some are incomplete. Some are complete, but like evolving ones where they just keep getting, you know, changed, tweaked, etc. As uh, as time goes on, if you will. So I have a fair, you know, bit of experience over the last mm, over a year now with Webflow. So I have a a lot to say, basically. So segment number one, the market. Webflow sits in a very crowded market. Um, in a but it is in a rather unique position. Above all else. Okay, Webflow is a website maker. It offers templates, easy-to-use creation controls, and users can uh, easily edit their creations with simple controls, basically the CMS. Uh, Wix, Squarespace, GoDaddy Website Builder are just a few of the biggest examples in this space. These are all website builders. These are all things that people use when they don't know how to code um, or when they just want to quickly spin something up. Uh, You know, there's no shame in, even if you know how to code, spinning up a a Squarespace website, absolutely, you know, kind of go for it. Now, WordPress, uh, I know what you're going to say, WordPress is just a CMS or whatever, but WordPress is another big one in this space. Now, it, it is less of a website builder by itself, and it is more of that CMS, but it, you know, there's basically unlimited, if you will, seemingly unlimited plugins, and there's constant innovations from developers, which means that with just a few plugins, you can absolutely use WordPress as a non-developer to get a website up and running. You know, website uh, page builders... Whatever else, there's there's so much out there. It's literally like an app store for WordPress that you could just go build your own site. There's one click installers on hosts. People can people who do not code who are just a little tech savvy can get up and running on WordPress. Now most web hosts, on top of all of this, actually offer a selection of website builders, and these are oftentimes accessible, in my experience, from cPanel. So you go down into your you know available software, what you want to install in your cPanel. There's usually a bunch of stuff. Sometimes it's by the actual host themselves. Sometimes it's by different uh, different maybe their uh, one of their providers. They have a, a website builder in there. Usually their local website builders just have a few templates, and you can build in there. Those those are available too. So there's there's a lot of website builders out there, website makers. And for the most part, okay, this is the key piece. The most part, the website creation world is actually broken up into two camps, okay? Website builders, as I've just discussed, and then there's also the from scratch crew, the guys who start with a blank notepad, basically, and they just keep go- and they just go from there. 
Now, website builders are often designed so that consumers can create websites for themselves with no coding knowledge. So like I said earlier, one second, excuse me. <clears throat> Once I said, uh, like I said earlier, WordPress and all that, WordPress with extensions, Webflow, uh, Wix, Squarespace, those are website builders. They have like solutions or are completely designed around the fact that web that people are not going to have coding knowledge and they just need to be able to log into their website and, and, you know, edit it, create it, do whatever they need to do. Now, making a website from scratch, that second camp is often, you know, much more cumbersome. So it takes a lot of coding knowledge, a lot of technical skill. It often takes significantly longer than a website builder. Um, you know, the no templates involved there. Now with many, and and this has many aspects to cover from the technical side of things, you know, getting these little things working, getting forms to submit, getting all that little, all those little things, Ajax working for refreshing and stuff like that. And then all the way down to the design aspects, the UI, the UX, you know, how it feels, how it looks, what's the typography look like. You have to do everything. And you start with a blank notepad, basically a blank text document, blank HTML document. However, you're starting, you're starting fresh for the most part. Now this usually will cost a lot more as well than a website builder because you have to hire a developer to make a fully custom solution. But there's also that benefit slash difference where some people think that website builders, website builder websites look samey. Others say they don't. It's just really your preference. What's your budget? What's your preference? And what are you building is really, you know, going to steer where you're going to go. So with this, as I've already said throughout this whole thing, there's many options to choose from out there, right? And so Webflow in its own right, has to stand out. Webflow is a bit of a newer one, um, and they need to stand out. They need to bring something to the table that's going to actually excite people, going to make them want to use this. So I'm going to go on to segment number two, the Webflow difference, unless Mike has any comments on this first part here. Yeah, so in the first part, uh, just something I want to comment on is like the difference between the builders and the make from scratch and stuff like that. And I know in, in the web development industry, there's some anxiety over the builders like Wix and, and Squarespace. I'm mostly going to be talking about those two because Matt will talk about the Webflow difference in a moment. Um, I don't think it's, a, I don't think web, Webflow is what should be considered exactly in that kind of category and Matt will explain why. But the Wix and Squarespace of the world 100% have a place in the industry. Um, and the way they get better, it's better for us. My opinion is that any site that requires, you know, any, any business card site, any person that wants to have a web presence and that's it can be done in those platforms if they want to put a little bit of effort into it. Can they be done in all the other platforms? Can they be done from scratch? Absolutely. But there's no real difference or reason to do it if you're just building something like a cover page, a resume, you know, like, you know, an online portfolio, um, just a place for your for your credentials and your contact information, as long as you're not like fully expecting to drive a lot of traffic to that page and you just want to make sure that if someone Googles your name or Googles your business's name, they find you, I think Wix and Squarespace are a great solution. So when a customer comes to you and gives you the, the option of, hey, I was thinking of using Wix or Squarespace, but I found your services or maybe you're like, you know, you're his cousin or something and he wants to help you. I was like, I want to help you out. Uh, can you build me this site? I was thinking of using Wix or Squarespace. Don't lead them directly away from Wix and Squarespace just because you want the business. In my opinion, if you, if they are the type of people that like to screw around with the website, that like their design process and stuff like that, lead them towards it and be like, hey, I'll help you with that site if that's what you want. I'll help you with some design decisions and stuff like that. But I think it's a great solution for you. So that's all I really wanted to say. I don't, I, I, I don't, I want the stigma from those builders to go away 
because the more those kinds of sites get taken up by them, the better sites are left for the like the serious developers, the people that actually want to do web development, uh, actually want to design great UIs and UXs and stuff like that. That's where from scratch and all these other website builders that are a little bit more in depth come in. And I'll let Matt take over for there. Right. Yeah. So Webflow actually sits sits right in between. I'm going to die here today. <clears throat> I don't usually talk during these episodes, I guess. Webflow sits right in between uh, a website builder and building a website from scratch, I'd say. Um, website builders offer a fixed set of customizable things. So colors, changing images, changing font size, um, changing anything that they don't have a control over. So if they don't have a slider for the color, if they don't have a, you know, a, a make transparent button to make something transparent, if they don't have a control for it, it's usually really difficult, sometimes impossible or virtually impossible. And this will actually usually require a developer to be involved, to go in there and change the plugin or change whatever's going on or hack something together. That's how that kind of works. But Webflow sits at a unique position and they offer the best of both worlds. So I'll kind of go through a list here of all the different related pieces of Webflow. So Webflow websites have templates so that people can get up and running quickly without any coding knowledge. They have CMS, like they have static sites, CMS ones, the whole bit. You can go through a library of templates. You as a non-coder sign up, choose your template, press play, use the, what's called the Webflow editor. And that's it. You don't use the designer. You don't touch the code. You don't do anything. Bang. That's it. There's easy to use controls to plug in things like Google analytics, stuff like that. Easy forms, easy. All of it's easy to fill in the blanks. That's basically it. Fill in the blanks, change the blanks, whatever it is, you're good to go. All Webflow UI elements, however, are fully customizable in the same way that a UI developer would in a set of HTML and CSS files. So instead of actually writing up that HTML and CSS, however, you quote unquote visually code using controls within what they call the Webflow designer. So for example, if you have one parent div and you have three child divs, you could make those three child divs flex items by displaying the parent div and then selecting display flex from the various controls. Normally in a CSS file, you would put a class or an ID on the parent and then you would go into your CSS file and address that parents or class and you'd put display flex and then you go on and do your other properties. So you are still using your knowledge of, oh, I need to make this a flex item. You're not using a, you know, a specific control in an editor. You are still using your knowledge of CSS. You're just clicking a button. You're just clicking the display flex button. You're selecting that div, clicking the display flex button. Same thing, just you're not typing it out. So that's, that's really great. What this allows people to do, it allows UI developers to use their vast knowledge of creating a UI, but also gives them a cleaner interface and a live preview right there. You can absolutely see like, whoa, I actually didn't want it to be this, or oh, I want it to be you know a little bit more spread out, I want it to be centered, and you can see it right there. As you click through the buttons, as you click through the justification and the and the uh, align items, you can see exactly what it looks like, you can see the padding, all that stuff, you can see it all right there, live, you don't have to switch files, recompile, or you know run your HTML and refresh, you don't have to do that. It's all right there, right there for you. You can see your CSS come to life. Now, this allows for a customer, okay, to set up a Webflow account, okay, get their project set up and running with the template. And then if they decide, whoa, like, you know, I'd really love for this form to work a little different or, whoa, I'd really like for this, this page to look a little different. I want to change the look of my nav bar. This allows them to call up a web developer, you know, typically one with a, with a, a fair amount of Webflow experience, 
and they can ask for those more advanced changes. And instead of struggling with something like a web, like a WordPress template, as many developers, I'm sure, out there listening to this right now have, where you're fighting the system because the system didn't want you to change that margin, but you need to change the margin. So you're overwriting it and you're having trouble because there was an update and all this crap. Webflow is made. It is designed. Every template you buy, you can go in there and it's all just Webflow. It was built in Webflow, so it's controlled by Webflow. And so it's just like building a file from scratch. The... To all the all the classes, you can change them. You can change the layouts. You can change the entire website. You can do anything you want with that with that within the Webflow Designer because that code that came with that template for designing the UI came from Webflow. It didn't come from it didn't come from somebody's text file. Then they uploaded it to Webflow and then gave it to you. And it's not locked because you bought it. You buy the template to get started, and you can add new page types. You could change them. You could do whatever the heck you want. Change the change the controls. Change this. Change that. There's you know certain version controls available with different backup solutions. The whole bit. It's all there, ready for you. Now, non-technical staff, okay, will also be able to keep their nose completely out of the designer, okay, completely out of the Webflow designer, and they can remain solely in the editor where they can use the Webflow CMS to edit their website with things like new blog posts, editing titles, text, and images. And they can go right in onto the page as long as they're logged into the designer, excuse me, as long as they're logged into the editor and they can actually like, oh, look at that, that title. They could double click the title or click the edit button on the title and they can just edit the title right there live. So a lot of stuff is just editable that way. They could change images. They could do a bunch of other stuff like that. And from the designer if there's something where, you know, you really don't want the user to change it, you can make it so that collaborators, those are the people that sign into the editor, those people can't actually edit the certain items. So they get a visual editor, they also get a full CMS, they could pull up an interface and just do a blog post, like a WordPress post, like, so, you know, they're entering forms, blog post, a podcast page, like an ad podcast episodes, all that type of stuff. They could do all that from the CMS, and then if they're more of a visual person, they can do some edits on there, and it's no big deal. No problem, no no foul, whatever. They can publish, they can you know, archive posts, the whole bit. They can see everything. They can add, they can add new um they can add new pages of certain types depending on what you have, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all kind of up to you. Now, within the designer, you can actually customize how the CMS works and what it can control. So in many of the projects, like I have toggle switches and other related controls, toggle switches, drop-down lists, stuff like that, that allow users to hide and show different elements. So for example, if they want to change the type of post they're making, so let's say, for example, they they have a, a single, what's called a, a collection. They have a single collection called blog posts. And then inside of those are collection items, which would be each of your posts. Okay, that's the Webflow vernacular, I believe is the word for it. So... That's how Webflow, that, that, that's the Webflow syntax, whatever. So anyway, that's how, the, that's what they call their CMSs. So what they do is you go in and you create all your posts, but sometimes you don't want to create, you want to create a full written post. Other times, maybe you want to have like a big embeddable video that doesn't, that covers the header, right? You have this big embeddable video. This post is about a video. You don't want just the image there. Just a toggle switch away. You click yet, like, you know, show, hide, whatever you, whatever you call it. I just say like, you know, show video instead of header. And then they go bang, and they just put the put the video on top of the header. So there's a lot of little controls, a lot of little intricacies that you can do there. There's a little bit of limitation there as well, which I'll mention uh, soon. But there's a lot that you can do with just the Webflow uh, CMS, and a lot that you can play with in the Webflow CMS that allows you to really help a user, especially if they're not tech savvy, with things like help text, stuff like that. It really kind of helps them through the procedure. What, now, what I find interesting, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but what I find what I find interesting with Webflow 
as opposed to other applications is that the Webflow designer kind of controls not only the website structure and look, but also the CMS structure and functionality. So you kind of, as a as a developer, you're controlling the entire UX of the people that are going to be viewing the website and the people that are going to be editing the website. Um, and I think that's a, that's a cool little thing for people, uh, especially people that like to have that kind of, kind of control and know their users or their uh, collaborators, I guess, of that that are going to be logging into the Webflow CMS need to be handheld in certain degrees. So instead of having to go in and write those functions or, you know, edit the CMS functionally to be able to to limit it, you can actually go into the designer and set those limitations yourself. First of all, is is that the a, a correct assumption? And second of all, uh, and I think you'll you might answer this in the Webflow limitations. How limited is that functionality? Like, for instance, if you wanted the user to be able to control the color of a button, and you have like four colors that you want them to be able to control, can you expose that kind of functionality from the designer level, or is that something that you have to write a custom function for? Okay, so I'll, I'll tackle the 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 button color question. So if there's four specific colors you want to be able to give somebody you can one of the webflow one of the webflow uh, cms things you can edit and give give access to the collaborators the editors they you can absolutely give them a color selector now what i would do though i would do this a little different so instead of allowing them to or like forcing them to be like remember the hex code or you know have all this selection what i would just simply do is i would have a uh, i would simply have a drop down and so what I would do is I would say, okay, you know, this is button one. What's button one's color? Since there's only four colors, they would I would allow them to say, you know, blue, green, red, or, you know, purple. And I would just force them to use that. And then that way you're pigeonholing them, especially the non-technical staff, so that you're, you know, you're absolutely, you're locking them down, but you are doing that. So in the future, if their branding changes, you can simply go and change those options. You could change what those, what those options in that dropdown mean, but you can also go in and, and just give them color control if you really wanted to. You could delete that that drop down completely and you could just give them color control if they if they say, hey, we don't want to be limited to these four colors anymore. What's really interesting about the Webflow thing is you can have conditional visibility. So you can very easily say like, oh, essentially when blue is selected, show like the blue button, for example. Mm-hmm. So the Webflow, yeah. So I think that that's the power of Webflow right there is you're allowing the actual developer to create a custom experience for the collaborator or the editor of the website. Yes. And I think, although you can do that in most other CMSs like Sanity or WordPress or whatever, you can definitely edit them and make them conditional, all that. It is kind of a hassle and it does require uh, a lot more code knowledge and a lot more intricate knowledge of that framework like of the framework of Sanity, like how Sanity does all of its editing and stuff like that. And it requires a lot of that where this is a little bit more visual and easier to go through, in my opinion. Uh, I've seen it a little bit. I, ha- I don't have too much experience with Webflow. I've only kind of been over the shoulder with with Matt on it. Like he's, been, he's just shown me a lot of the functionality of it. But it, it seems like it's a lot more user, like you, it gives you a lot of controls for that kind of system. So if you have a, if you have a, a client that's really wants to edit and is a little bit developer savvy. Maybe you give him more control over the site. Like maybe you do give him that, uh, you know, custom 
um, color changer so that he can pick any hex code color he wants because he's that kind of developer. But if you have a, a person that, you know, doesn't know what hex code means, uh, you don't want them to put some sort of weird color in there, then you do that drop down. It's, it's good that they have the choice. That's kind of what I, what I want to get to with this. Um, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. So what, what I really like about Webflow is that I can almost live change the UX from the editor perspective. So a lot of the time I'm doing this for people that are non-tech savvy or that want to rapidly do stuff. They don't want to mess around color selectors and all this. They want to be able to go in there and you know toggle some switches and that type of thing. This is also extremely useful for stuff for people who have a different uh, you know user experience themselves where when they want to post something and they want to post it and they want it to be they want it to be live, so they don't want to keep it as a draft, right? But they want to they want to have like something show up on a certain date. You can have scheduled things. Uh, you can have like a, like a, maybe the the third paragraph of an article for some reason. I don't know why you do that, but you could have that open up at a certain date. You could have that open up at a certain time. You could have different things like that. And what this allows you to do is it allows you as the designer of the site, you know, from a technical and a visual perspective, it allows you to go, okay, what information bare minimum do I need from the user? The user will provide that bare minimum information and I will make the site change according to what it is. And that's exactly what we do. So we have a site out there right now. They post a bunch of different blog posts and that type of thing, but they they will occasionally post a video. But that's that's just considered a category. That's a, that's a category of one of their blog posts, right? So when that is the case, when a certain field is filled in, the embedded link, the, the page actually changes its layout a little bit. Also, in terms of that, the actual layout of the front page is a little bit different. So it shows the featured articles, but then it also shows the latest video post. And that's because that's because it allows us to put a little bit of a spotlight on something that's a little more interactive and they post videos less. So it's a little something like, hey, you don't have to worry about hitting that, that, fe- that featured link. Because this is a more rare thing, go, you know, just post it and like the site will automatically change the way it looks. And it's not going to interrupt the flow of everything. It's just going to be bam right here on the front page. Look at my video. That's how we're that that's how I'm treating it. That's really is the power power of Webflow. When I was looking at WordPress, the problem with WordPress is you need to have a plugin to have these type of things, toggle switches and those type of things. And to me that's so strange coming from Webflow because why isn't there controls without a plugin? Like why aren't there native controls? There should be some stuff in there. Toggle switches to me like to me toggle switches, drop downs, those are crucial pieces. And there's different things here too. You can have, you can have, so in WordPress, um, and it's been a while since I've actually posted something here. So if I'm wrong, you know, whatever. But when you create a post on WordPress without any changes, you have your title and then you have your rich text. I don't do that on, on Webflow. I have the, I have the title. That's a text box itself. I have the byline. That's a title of itself. Now I have a bunch of, I also put in my Google information. You know, what do you want this meta to say? If you don't want it to say anything specific, it'll cop, you know, it'll it'll pull in from a generic template. But if you want to customize it, go ahead. Customize it now. Go ahead. I draw I drag the user through the experience, and what that allows me to do is it allows well, allows them to go faster every time. They're going to know I need my Google information, I need this, I need my title, I need my byline, I need this. And it allows them to not screw up any anything. Like what happens if you your byline isn't in a separate text box and it's always in the rich text? What are you going to get? You're going to get people accidentally using the wrong font size, the wrong font type, the wrong wrong bold. Is it italics? Is it underlined? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Is it that? Is the line height right? The heck with it. I have a, you know, separate fields and I control that. And that's that's part of that bare minimum information from the user. 
They don't need to touch the, the, the rich text controls for the byline. I control that. I control what the header looks like. They control what the post looks like. That's what I like to do. I like to really very specifically tell the user what to do because I've seen it time and time and time and time and time again where if you give people controls, they're going to misread things. It's of course like I've done it. Everyone does it and they're going to accidentally go somewhere. They're not supposed to. They're going to miss a control. They're going to miss this. They're going to miss that. You have to make it simple even for yourself. If the UX is bad for your user or you, you're both going to hate it. And then you're not going to want to develop the product and it's going to, it's going to fall apart. So you've got to have a really good UX. And I will say that the Webflow CMS is one of the better ones I've ever experienced for this type of thing. Couch CMS was actually pretty decent too for this type of thing. There's a quite a bit of like customizations I've done in there to drag a user through stuff. A little bit of hacky things here and there because there's like some dated, dated things in my opinion in, in Couch CMS. But for the most part, you know, still a modern CMS, still have some sites running on it, still works fine. But WordPress, for whatever reason, I don't like how I have to rely on a plugin for those, those basic things. To me, they're basic things. That's just my two cents on that. Now, another thing I want to touch on with the Webflow difference before I jump into the limitations is that you can actually export your user interface. So if Mike, for example, says, I want to use Statamic, or what was that? The Statamic is the headless CMS, right, Mike? Uh, no, Sanity. Sanity. Damn it. I always do that. Sanity. If you want to use Sanity, the headless CMS, and and, and you're, like, you're like, I want to do this, but I want to rapidly, like me personally, I want to rapidly make the UI. I'm not going to go and like you know, get my SAS out and get my tailwinds and all this crap. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it, period. I'm going to go into Webflow. I'm going to make my UI and then I can export my code. I'm going to give Mike the front end. Here's a static front end, bud. You know, here's a page where blog posts are. Here's a page where this is. Here's a page where this is. Here's a page where this is. Take this, you know, put it into your repeatable divs. Put it into your blog post like array. Put it into this. Put it into that. Put it into this. You can use a headless CMS if you want. And I learned this last night. There's actually a Webflow plugin for WordPress. So you can take over your pages. If you want to rapidly take over, you want to rapidly uh, deploy a page. If a user desperately needs it, but they only need it right now and they don't need the WordPress to edit it. They're like, man, I really need a sales page. If you're good at Webflow. You can have Webflow pages automatically, quote unquote, streamed to your web WordPress site. So WordPress will serve the Webflow page in place of the WordPress page. That's, that's, that's immensely powerful because for things like sales, they might just have like a poster, like a, like an actual physical poster. And then you just have to put some text in or maybe a form. You don't have to mess with plugins or anything in WordPress. Yes, those things are powerful, but what if you just need it quick? What if you need it right now, today? I'm telling you right now, if I needed to make a site by tomorrow, the only way that's happening is in, is in Webflow. Like seriously, that is the only way it's going to happen. Template, edit, go. And Mike's seen it. We've had, we, we do changes live for customers on calls sometimes with Webflow, depending on the complexity. And they love it because then they get this, if, if they're an involved customer, they sit there and they listen and they say, I want this change. And I say, okay, we can do, you know, three of your five requested changes, two are too complex. Let's go through it. And I can change it with them live because maybe they're unsure. Like, oh, I don't know if I want that red. You know, oh, I'll change it. Here you go. Oh, I don't like it red. Let's make it like, like mauve or whatever the hell it color is. Let's make it that. And then they, oh, I got more burgundy or whatever. Live right there, bam, that's it. And then it, like that, that's huge. That's that's immensely powerful. Now, there are limitations. You know, it's not all puppy dogs and rainbows and whatever else. Uh, it is, uh, that's just the way it is. Because, because Webflow sits in between a website builder and building a website from scratch, it inherits a little bit from both sides, okay? So therefore, on top of the functionality that I just listed, which is, you know, pretty damn powerful, 
it also has its fair share of limitations, okay? Some of these limitations that I've personally found are there's no formal plugins. This isn't WordPress. You can't go to the plugin tab and look through plugins. There's there, there's some stuff there. They There's some, like, offering that Webflow has on their site where you could say, like, oh, you know, these services, like, quote-unquote, plug in or work with Webflow. But they're not – it's not like a, a marketplace where I just go in and select stuff. It's like, oh, go in here, paste my embed link. This is how you get it to work with Webflow. It's not, it's not the same. It's not the same as WordPress where it's all built for it. So there's no browsing through that. Um, and it certainly isn't as seamless. Uh, you cannot have users sign up for things. Now I've read about this. I've never actually even tried this, but there's no, there's no like forum. I can't just be like, everyone join my, my Webflow forum. Not going to happen. There's no sign up form. That's it. No sign up form, no user control like that over. Now, whether there's some sort of account thing you can make for the e-commerce sites, I've never made the e-commerce sites on Webflow, so I'm just going to tell you that right now, full disclaimer. But in terms of a forum, I've never seen it. Never seen it, and I've been in Webflow for a while now. Now, there are, or there is a solution for making Webflow a membership site, actually, but it's using a third-party service, and, like, obviously it's not as, you know, tuned in as a WordPress, for example. So you can make a membership site on Word Webflow. So if you have like a club where you send out I don't know, recipes every month or something like that and the people pay per month, you can absolutely do that. Uh, but it's not with, you know, native Webflow features. Uh, and like I've never used it myself. But, that you know, it does exist in case you were wondering. Um, you cannot send email notifications. And this one I find ridiculous. You cannot send email notifications from different forms to different email addresses. Um if you have two forms, one for the marketing team and one for the sales team, they both go to the same address, period, right now. Um, I've I've actually spoken to uh, like a Webflow representative and mentioned this to them. Uh, and like, I don't know whether it's on their wish list or however that works. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not an internal person there, but I have like spoken to them based on feedback, giving them feedback on some stuff. And uh, basically I've said like, this is, this is out of control. Like this is out of control. You can't support multiple forms and then not have multiple uh, multiple email notifications. Like that's, you can have it sent to a bunch of different people. You can have it sent to more than one person, but they all, it's all the same list. So for example, if Mike is sales and I'm the technical department, and there's two different forms, sales and technical, but all emails from all forms can be sent to both of us. But I can't say sales goes to sales and technical goes to technical. Can't do that. That's out of control. Like you can't be doing that. Can't have that these days. So what I what I've done to get around it is I've used email filtering and cPanel because the people were hosting their email with cPanel. I've used that. That works. I've also seen on YouTube guy. Uh, shout out to Flux. Uh, he does a lot of Webflow videos on YouTube. Uh, he uses Zapier uh, for that. So that does work. But again, you're bringing in stuff. This is where these limitations come in. You're you know kind of hacking stuff together. Uh, PDF files. So there's upload limits on, on, on things because you're uploading to their servers. So for example, 10 megabyte limit, uh, on a PDF file. I don't, uh, haven't checked this in months, but that's what the limit was. I assume it's still the same. That's a little out of control as well, to be honest. Uh, Webflow really prides themselves on the fact that they're delivering from a CDN. Everything loads super quick and it's super nice. Even though, you know, even like larger, higher res images are, you know, load really nice. And then your PDFs limited to 10 meg. I mean, Come on, guys. Um, to be honest, now you can't. This is now. This is weird. I'm gonna tell you this right now. This is my. This might be the weirdest thing. You cannot change the amount of slides in a slider from the editor. Only the designer can access this functionality, and only one account can use the designer. You can't have multiple devs signed up for like the one designer. Now there are team. There are team sites. 
or there are uh, there are team accounts in that thing. I only have a personal account because I'm the only one that works on our Webflow stuff. So whether there's a solution there, but if my if I uh, for example I have a couple of collaborators on these on these accounts, right? Those are what the editors are called, and those are the non-technical staff. They go in and they just write write the you know the blog posts and stuff for the sites. I would normally as a workaround, I would give them access to the designer with their own account. And I would say, Hey, you know, I'm going to teach you how to just edit the slider, just edit the slider. This is how you do it. They'd be able to go in there, edit it, you know, a little bit of technical stuff. I'd teach them that procedure only. And then they would just go back to their editor. That's how I would do it. Can't do that. Can't do that. Weird. It's very strange. Like I can't add a collab, like a collaborator is a collaborator. They only have access to the editor. Very strange. Like that's really weird. Now they can edit existing slides. They can edit existing slides. They can go in, they can, you know, as the slides are going through, they can click on one and change the image, but they can't change the amount of slides. Very, very weird, uh, to be honest. Very strange. One of the biggest features of, I remember WordPress back in the day and still is, is having things like Revolution Slider and stuff where you can edit your slider. Uh, anyway, that's very weird to me. Uh, now I have a hack for that, which I might show off on the channel eventually to get it to work, but it is a hack. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. It is a hack and a half. And it works, but it pushes Webflow to its limit. I'll tell you that right now because we've actually had problems. We've had too many CMS collections on a page. Like, we've hit some limits. So, it is a it is a weird – it's weird. I just want to say that. Um, you cannot have different fields show up under the same CMS item. Uh, so, for example, if you write up blog posts that have different types. So, for example, like I said before, podcast posts versus an editorial post, those type of things. You can make a selector, okay, that allows a user to select what post they'd like to use. And then the actual UI will hide certain fields. You know, it won't show the byline. It'll only show the embed link. It'll only show the video header, blah, 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 blah. But all of those fields are all there. And what I'd love to see in a CMS editor in the CM, well, like in the from the designer where I can edit the CMS is I'd love to see it. So like when I say, you know, the user logs in, they click on, I want to make a post. They got to select what type of post. I want to make a podcast post. I want to make a blog post, editorial post, and then have the UI, have the fields that apply to that actually show up. I'd love to have dynamic items. That's what's happening here. So for example, if I logged in and I wanted to make a video post, I need that embed link. But that's the only time I ever need that embed field in there. So now I would select that and then that little piece would show up and then have it so that it would not be there if I selected uh, like a different, like a blog post. Now, one thing you might be saying is, well, why don't you just make the multiple collections, right? So I've already touched on this once, but collections, <laughs> collections are the type of posts essentially. And then your items under a collection are what you're posting. But the problem is, what happens if you want one smooth feed? So your one smooth feed includes your podcast, your posts, like everything of any category. You know, your blog posts, your sports posts, your editorials, your videos, your podcasts. But each of those posts have a slightly different layout. You can't do that now. Because you can't list all those things out. Now they're in different collections. So now you're going to have like a, an area that just lists podcasts. An area that just lists blogs. An area that just lists this. I would love to have it so you can either have multiple collections get listed in a collection list, if that makes sense. So you could have like, oh, I'd like in this collection, I'd like by date, I'd like all the podcasts and all this and all that and all this and all that. I'd love to be able to pull multiple collections in or be able to have this dynamic CMS. I think I prefer the dynamic CMS. Because I'd love to be able to say to people, like, this is required. You select the video post, you're, you're, you're putting a freaking embed link, or this is going to look stupid. Like, you're not, that's it. 
That's what I would like to see. That you know, these are like nitpicks at the end of the day. Um, maybe not, maybe not the slider and form thing. Those are weird, to be honest with you. But those are my, those are the things that I've personally hit. Um, yeah, yeah, those are weird. That's, yeah, those are those weird. Are weird. Uh, the what, another weird one uh, that you didn't mention is the fact that you can't use the CMS on your phone, so you can't mm. edit. Mm-hmm. You can't edit your site from your phone. It just it tells you to go on and use a computer. Which, like, in this day and age, it's not weird. It's just not that hard. It's not that hard to create a responsive site. Like, even the CMS, yeah, it has a lot of fields. It has a lot of functionality going back. It just, you know, there's a lot to change. Yeah, okay, it's it's a little bit more difficult. But really? Like, it's it's 2020. I don't know. I, I don't want to bring that up to bring that up anymore. But, like, it is on their wish list. And it's a highly wished for item. But every comment on there is like, why is it not there? Like, what? what is the limitation? Like what is stopping them from doing it? And I agree with that. Why would it like, I, if I want to, it's not something that I would do every day. I'm, I'm a person that likes to sit at the computer and, you know, write. Um, but if I was out somewhere and I had to quickly edit a post that I've just posted on my site, oh yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Editing like, like, yeah, literally what you're saying, just change a typo. Yeah, I have to go to the library and log into their computer. It's not control. But, like that is, that yeah, is out of control. that's literally, or I have to carry my laptop with me all the time. Or, I mean, there are there is, and I've never used this, there is the um, the API. There is a Webflow API. You can create your own custom CMS like, for it, like, I guess. But, like, this is that, like, you know, that's yeah, out, yeah, that so is out of control. Like, that... Yeah, that, that, that seems like a ridiculous oversight on their part. And it's weird that I understand them not launching with it, but I believe they launched in 2017. So, it's been, like, three years. I don't I don't know. I, I'm just saying, I'm calling them out a little bit, but... Um, I mean, no, I, I agree. Like, like that is a legit... Yeah. Like, I, I say call out, like, that is weird. The slider yeah, thing, a, the mobile thing, all that stuff, yeah. the, the email notifications, that is weird. Yeah. It's a great – it has a great structure and has great stuff going for it. Um, I agree that – I know a lot of people will have a little bit of anxiety because it doesn't have any plugins. But it is really like what you get is what you get with it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. So when you when – you, the limitations that, that have been outlined, they can get fixed by the Webflow team. But I wouldn't rely on that. No. So if you can't work around those things, if your site requires you to absolutely have a slider that can dynamically change the amount of slides in it, then I would stay away from Webflow. Those are the kinds of things. Unless you're willing to like embed a third party in there. Sure. Somehow. Unless you're willing to on your own create a slider essentially and then on your own create the CMS component of that slider. Like unless you're willing to put that much work in, in which case like is Webflow even for you at that point? I don't know. But for the majority, I would say the majority of of standard websites that you're creating out there that have a lot of user editable fields, I think Webflow does fit. Um, just to go back to the question at hand, like where does Webflow fit? I think it fits in a lot of different, like, you know, blog sites, news sites, stuff like that, stuff where a lot of content is being edited all the time. That's something where Webflow could shine because there's, it gives the developer a lot of functionality. It gives the content provider a lot of functionality. It gives the user a great experience. That's another feature of Webflow that I like is that their scores are really good. Like their web, you know, their web speed scores and their search score. Like they do a good job at SEO. Um, all that stuff, like the, the platform it's built on is good. Oh yeah. Yep. That's what I, I wanted to give a shout out to Webflow on that. Like the, the actual, you know, the compression of the files. It's a small, like even though there's a lot of images, a lot of most of our Webflow sites are image heavy. It loads really quickly. It scores really well on Google's. It it the mobile layouts are great, which is ironic. Um, 
but yeah that's weird <laughs> yeah that's weird limitations that's weird thing, yeah. yeah yeah like like with wordpress in my opinion there are no limitations when you get wordpress you have a million plugins now a million plugins brings in different problems that we've talked about before but you, you do have those a million plugins 10 million plugins whatever you can literally shop you can, like you, you'd be like oh i have a problem i'm going to yeah. shop for the solution with webflow it's Correct. like how you can, the hell you can get anywhere you can do anything right webflow you have webflow and that's it yep that's your you have to rely on webflow yeah, I agree with Which that. Which is a plus and a minus. So I, I just wanted to bring that up. You can also get hired on Webflow. Like you can set yourself as like, I'm ready for hire. And you can have your profile be public on their site. And you can go in there. You can also sell templates. If you get approved for that, you can make and sell templates. So that that's cool. All, all stuff like that is really great. You know, 100%. It's just these weird limitations that like really, in my opinion, limit it. The thing, the thing I would say about Webflow is this. And, and, and this, if you have an e-commerce, if you want to make a website... A blog, okay? Any, uh, do you want to make a dynamic website? A blog or anything like that? Uh, even an e-commerce store now? Absolutely. Webflow. You want to make a web app? Don't don't use Webflow, period. If you want, if you need a web app, you're done. You're already done. Webflow can be your promo, promo side. Uh, maybe there's some like third-party solutions out there that use like the membership site and stuff like that. I personally wouldn't use those myself. I've never used the membership one, so maybe the membership one works great. But myself, I would rather use a, a solution that was like designed for it, like right from the get-go. I just don't like the idea of the like you know, Webflow is for websites, basically. I don't like the idea of trying to expand it. You know, you're not going to make a an amazing app in there. Now, I will say, to get around these limitations, you can use your own JavaScript. So one of my solutions was I absolutely built my own slider with JavaScript. All the JavaScript is basically inline, so that's not amazing either. You know, it's not gitted or anything like that. It's that's a word, but you know, it's not anything like that. It's just, it's just in like, Oh, like I've had, I'll add this to the script tag. Like I've wrote my own, what I call webflow plugins. That's what I call them. And I've just wrote my own little solutions to stuff. I have like, uh, for example, um, and the CMS editor, and I might make a video about this cause it's pretty weird in the CMS editor. I was, I was incapable of pasting an embed link. Someone had to embed a player from a podcast and I was incapable of doing that with webflow. I had to do a JavaScript hack slash fix to get that to work. So there's just little things, you know, just like with anything, there's little things, little limitations. Every software has its limitations. Um, and I will, as a, as a footnote to this before our web news, I will say that Webflow has been adding a bunch of stuff. They didn't have pagination when I started a little over a year ago. They have pagination now. Uh, they've added, you know, you can minify, you can minimize a bunch of stuff. You can minif- minimize, min- I can't even say it. You can minimize, you can compress, whatever you call that thing, because I can't say it now, your uh, your CSS, your JS, you can do all that. Uh, you have like controls for that. You can choose whether you want to minify those, whatever. Uh, oh, wait, now I said it. <laughs> you can you can do any of that. All that stuff is available, uh, and they have been developing a lot. They've I've, I think I've posted on our social, on the hat social, that uh, they, had, they added some stuff for filters. They added like different ways that stuff works, and like those little changes do make a huge thing. So there have been a bunch of updates since I have been using it in the year and a half. So it is an actively developed platform. Even their websites changed a million times, but there are some weird things. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I also just real brief aside, the, uh, they pride themselves and they're pretty good, uh, on their interactions. So they released interactions 2.0, like, I don't know, a year ago or something. I don't remember. 
And they're basically, so you don't have to like write out your you know, translate 3D and like all this crap. You don't have to like write all that out. These are to make things, you know, move, animate, scroll, little things like animations and stuff like that. They have their own editor for those more advanced functions. And it does work really good. Um, actually, it's a little tricky to get used to, but once you get it, it's really powerful. I've started to use it a little bit for trade fade-ins and such, and it's it's pretty nice. Uh, okay. I think that, that concludes that. I'm going to pass it on to Mike for comments or, or web news while I drink this coffee. Yeah, uh, so my thought is we've talked a lot, had a good discussion. Uh, do you want to continue on with web news? Uh, we were going to continue and talk actually completely unrelated to development. We're going to talk about some gaming news, um, but I think we've covered a lot today and I don't know if we need to. That's my question. And what I do want to ask people if we don't decide not to talk about it is would you want to hear about us talk about off topic things maybe in this time of, you know, everyone's of hiding kind of in your home basically yeah hiding in your home do you want more content for matt and mike that's talking about stuff like gaming like we're, we're going to talk about mountain blade banner lord animal animal crossing new horizon doom eternal um we were thinking of just you know spinning off little web tidbits on stuff like that anyway so let us know uh you know add us html everything on twitter html things on instagram join us on discord Stuff like that. Let us know. Shameless uh, self-plugging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I say we just do it. And uh, I might cut I might so? cut okay. the end off and maybe put it in separate. Or maybe it'll be separate and available at the end of this episode. Who knows? I'd, I'd say we do it. We planned okay. on it. It's topical. What If, if you don't want to hear about talk, uh, us talking gaming, leave now. Yes. There you yeah. go. That's the, that's the big That's asterisk, the show. Yeah. That's the web show. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with web news... Uh, Mountain Blade Bannerlord, Animal Crossing New Horizon, Doom Eternal all come out in the same, you know, two-week span. And those are some pretty big titles. Um, I'm I'm mostly going to talk about Mountain Blade Bannerlord. I'm going to tell you that right now. Although I do like Doom as a franchise in general. But Mountain Blade, why it's a big title is because it's been in development for, I believe, over eight years, at least publicly. My guess is it's probably been in development for over ten uh, it had a few mishaps <laughs> along the way, obviously. I don't think a game should be in development for that long, you know, if everything's going great. You know, we're, we're just carrying on here, boys. Let's just keep going at it. Ten years. Uh, I believe they had two full engine reconstructions, like literally Control-A, delete, and let's do it again, uh, which is never good. But it's finally out in early access, I wanted to mention. So after eight years, it's finally out in early access with a lot of the features uh still to come but it's amazing it's amazing so uh, it's amazing yeah so i i do want to I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit more depth animal crossing new horizon matt i think you'll cover that pretty well yep, yeah i played that and yeah and doom eternal looks really awesome i haven't played it yet i have just finished doom 2016 which is the previous game and it was really good so i'm looking forward to doom eternal and i've seen a lot of footage on it it looks pretty good although i have heard a little bit of you know controversy and negative feedback on that game as well but without further ado i'll pass it off to you matt since you're kind of more of a gaming expert i would say you've been on a how long have you been on the uh, day one patch media i think, gaming I, think podcast? I think it's 2013 yeah i'm a founding member that's for sure founding member so you've been yeah you've been there for almost as long as mountain blade bannerlord has been in development i have missed like two episodes too that's it and all that time you're an iron man iron man of the day one patch media podcast um 
So, yeah, without further ado, take it away. Let me know what you think about this these three games. Um, so Mountain Blade, I've only ever heard you talk about it. I have one of the old ones, I like guess Warband or something. Um, I had trouble getting into it. I think I was off of a Skyrim at that point and Skyrim is just a lot smoother. So I just never really got into mountain blade myself. I just took a look at a very brief look at one of the trailers or videos anyway on steam. And it looks kind of interesting and it has a very positive rating slash review on steam as of recording this. So it looks interesting. Uh, it might be something I go for. One of the things, one of the things I think with these big games is that lately is that they're, they're damn big. Um, if you may, if that makes sense, like, I don't know how in depth something like mountain blade is in terms of keeping your attention. Like it's not really a games as a service, triple a title, as far as I could tell, but it certainly is something where it's like, get lost in our massive world for like 2000 hours. And you're like, Oh, oh yeah. Jesus, you know, easily easily. Well, I mean, 2000 might be a little bit over exaggerated. It, it is the campaign is only single player. But I'll get into that in a little bit. I'll, I'll let, I'll let oh, you so there is a campaign, here. yeah. So, oh yeah. So stuff like stuff like that uh, always gives me pause. Um, just because I think I think Fallout was rated Fallout Four was rated at four hundred or four hundred eighty hours or something like that was what their estimate was was to complete all the content on the map. I think something like that. So I've heard an estimate like that. So like Fallout and stuff like that are big. Um, so when it comes to Animal Crossing, I've actually played this one. Animal Crossing kind of came out at the best time ever. People are escaping to the little uh, little desert island, little remote island, and they're building up a little civilization um, in their little remote island. Um, they're just hanging out, hanging out, and you know, that's it. Building building a civilization, basically. The Animal Crossing New Horizons is the first one in the series that I'm aware of that allows you to really customize things. It's the first one that allows you to terraform. It is the first one that allows you to... Uh, change where buildings are, change where buildings go, choose where they go originally. It is the first one that allows you to build bridges. It is the first one that allows you to change the hills. You can build hills, get rid of hills, uh, fill in the rivers, dig new rivers. All that's new. Never been able to do that. I played New Leaf a fair bit. I played a little bit of the one on the Wii, and then I played. I have the one on original DS, but I never played too much of it. This one feels a, like really extensive. Um, I always say though that. I always forget to play that damn game, and I always, I always, that game is real time, right? So when I say tomorrow, they mean actually tomorrow. Like, please check in with us tomorrow. The game is like a real time game, really. And I always, it's too damn relaxing, and I keep falling asleep. So because I keep falling asleep, I always say that my Animal Crossing is in a recession. Because everyone else is ahead of me, they're building stuff and everything else, and I just like got my shop a couple days ago. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's pretty damn fun. It's it's pretty great to I mean, fall asleep to, I guess. And uh, the only thing that sucks about it is you have to abide by certain things. So uh, one of the limitations I found is that there would there used to be a shop that was open twenty four seven, and then it it was just in a tent. And then you know, they're like, hey, let's open up an actual shop. Let's do this. So you help build it, choose where it goes. I built it. Now it's closed at ten. <laughs> so it's like, like ten at night in ten real at time? night in real time. It's real time. That game is real time. So now luckily there is like a sell bin where you can throw all your stuff in there if you want to sell a bunch of stuff. I think it, I think there's some sort of penalty of 20% or something. And then they, they ATM you your money the next morning at 5 a.m. Um, and they call you and they say, this is like Timmy or Tommy or whatever the hell his name is from the Nook's Cranny and like whatever, right? Here's your money. Like we've, we've ATM'd you it. But it sucks because I can't, like I, I usually play later and I just, I can't go, like I've never been into the shop. I've never been in my own shop. Um... But last night I built... <laughs> What's that? 
That's weird. So if you play, if you're a nighttime gamer, like only night that you play at, you know, after 11. Yeah. Can't play that game. It's over. Yeah, it's over. It's over for you. That's interesting. And you can't, there's nothing you can do about that. Like you can't change the hours of the shop. Like you can change. Uh, so I don't know about that. I haven't reached that point, but I know for sure that you can, people would do what, what's called Animal Crossing time travel where they change their system clock and then the game pulls from that and does their, does their stuff. Um, I don't like doing that. Like, I'll just force myself to play one morning or something to if I have to check in. There's there's a lot of stuff to do still. Like, th- that game does have a lot to do. I've only done a few of the activities. And, like, I'm still able to do a bunch of stuff at night. Like, I put together a house. One of my first, So, I have three animals moving in right now. And I've built... Well, I've, I've grabbed all the stuff I need for the one house. And so, that house is ready to be constructed. Now, there was a set of three of them. I don't know whether all three need to be set up or what. But I know that the construction takes a day. Right now, I have a museum, two animals, Nook's Cranny, which is the shop, and that's sort of it. I visited one. I visited one other island. So you can visit random islands. They're, I believe they're procedurally generated, and uh, you can never go back to them. You visit once, so you gather as many resources and stuff as you can, and it's a gamble. So it's like you're like, man, I really need ore, and there's no ore left on my island. You can maybe visit someone, one of your friends' islands, or you can visit one of these random islands. But if there's no ore there, you used your nook miles, which are like air miles. You used your nook miles, and then you can't, like, you can never go back there. So I went to this one island. There was uh there was an ape there. Name was uh, name was like Abu or something like that, and uh, I invited him to my place, and I believe he's one of the three houses. So uh-huh. he's gonna move into my move into my place possibly tonight at midnight when it rolls over. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it you know it's 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 a game like it's 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 a chill game. It's meant to be slow. Like even every everything's slow in that game. You you dig up fossils every day and you go to Blathers at the museum and you're supposed to donate them, but you can get duplicates. So to to talk to him, you have to talk to him. Here is little spiel. You have to say assess my fossils. You select all your fossils. And then you say, like, he assesses them all, and he says, like, oh, you know, some of these are, you know, not duplicates. This would be really great if you could donate them. I'll hand them back to you. Hands them back. Then you have to go down a different option. You have to say, I'd like to donate. And then it's like, oh, you'd like to donate. Okay, hey, what do you want to donate? And then you select what you want to donate. And then he's like, oh, I know all about this stuff, including those fossils I just told you about. Would you like me to tell you about them? No, I would not, Blathers. I'm one of those people. No, Blathers, it's okay, bud. I don't need to hear about the the wing of a Sith, Sith thing or some crap. So that, that that's me. Apparently there's, I've heard, I saw a tweet there. There's two types of people, people that listen to Blathers, people tell them to stop. And I always tell them to stop. Thank you, Blathers. <laughs> that's enough. Uh, he's an owl. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Animal Crossing. Pretty fun. Pretty good. Uh, definitely worth the money, especially in these times, I'd say myself. Um, I like that it's on the Switch and I can't wait to actually start being able to move stuff around and build paths and actually go. I just got the ladder to go to the top part of my place. I've actually had part of my map locked out for a while, so I'm pretty close to paying off my home loan, though. So I could probably upgrade my yeah, home. Yeah, I heard. I heard everyone was talking about the home loan. It's like just adding another mortgage on top of your mortgage, kind of thing. The, so the, slowly work away. Have it. you ever played an Animal Crossing game? I uh, I've played a little bit of Pocket Crossing. Oh, Pocket the, Camp. Yeah, Pocket Camp. Whatever it is, the the mobile game. Yeah. and I've played maybe like. 30 minutes of New Leaf. Okay, so Animal Crossing is all about paying Tom Nook something. So Tom Nook always yeah. does shit. So, like, you show up and he's like, oh, like, you owe me all this money, but you have none. So I'll just put it into your debt and you just pay me later. 
And so when I asked him for a home, he's like, oh, I built you a house, but now you owe me. And so you got to pay off his <laughs> debt. And then and then when you're done paying off the debt, it'll be like, oh, I'll upgrade your house. Do you want to upgrade? Okay, now you owe me a bunch more money. So it's always about paying off Tom Nook. Uh, and he seems to not care how long it takes for you to pay him back as long as you do that. And What happens if you don't? You just, you're locked out. So my house, I assume, so I have the smallest house, it's one room. I assume the house can be expanded. I haven't looked up many spoilers. I assume the house can be expanded and, uh, like you just won't be able to upgrade. You won't be okay, able to tile Tom gotcha. Nook to upgrade. One really nice quality of life improvement is inside of the home. There's like a, they had a, another game, Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer. And they had like a way to like, they had like a better way to design your home. Uh, like they, instead of you walking over and like pushing, like place the shelf, push it over, rotate it. And like your actual person is moving it like a mover. Uh, this is actually just like a control where you literally say like, I want to edit my house and you just go in and you just move stuff with a cursor. It's a lot better. That's from happy home designer. So I've been told. And that's, 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 that's ace. That's some good, some good shite. I have a, I have, I'm really poor in that game. So I have no table. So I have a Nintendo Switch. I have a digital Nintendo Switch in the game, but it's just sitting on top of a box that I found in the Lost and Found. So that's... Oh, and I'm sleeping on a military cot with an oil lamp. I mean, you said you were in a recession. So I'm in a, re- I'm in a recession, yeah. It's definitely in a recession, yeah. I do have a smoker, Fantastic. though, for some meats. And I have some flowers growing that I've watered every day. It seems really chill. Like, it seems like something that is perfectly designed for this time. I, I bet it broke a bunch of records when it came out. That's the thing, like... I heard the Switches are All, selling out because of it. Yeah, I heard that too. I heard you literally cannot buy a Switch. Pretty good. Yeah, Nintendo's I'm glad I have one. Yeah, I'm glad I have one. I'm, I'm, I might pick it up. It's something uh, that I was thinking about doing. Big thing, big thing with the Switch is like how just chill it is in general as a console. I just love the usability of it. Like talk about UX. That thing is a UX masterpiece, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Yep. It's. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit too good. Yeah, easiest console to play by far. Like you just pick it up and play. Yeah. Uh, no turning on, nothing. Like it's always on. The battery would be nice if it was a little better. That'd be my, really yeah. my only complaint. Because sometimes I look at it and I'm like, damn, I'm playing for like half an hour. What the hell? Yeah. But apparently the newer Switches are better. Oh, okay. So the newer Switches have better battery life. I know the Switch Lite is something I'm, I might actually pick up. Um, oh, wow. I was thinking of picking it up because I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. Uh, my wife plays the Switch as well. She plays a couple games on there. And I figured, hey, if I'm going to be traveling, I might as well get the Switch Lite. Yeah. And then just take that with me. Because it's lighter and it has better battery. But uh, now that travel is out the window for I don't know how long. Probably going to wait. <laughs> wait on that one. Um, one thing I will plus, mention about your, your double Switch, though. Mm-hmm. There's something really weird with Animal Crossing. One save per Switch console yeah i heard about that yeah. what a weird but that's nintendo like nintendo is weird really weird with their online and network and saving services like they've always been weird like that so i wouldn't be able to play you know i wouldn't be able to play on both of my consoles with a cloud save no or but like your wife is... would not be able to so if you start a town on one yeah she can't she can't edit your town she can't have her own town she can't have her own nope. town unless you have another switch one one town per switch Oh, I see. Not so we had Animal Crossing. We literally we couldn't play Animal Crossing together. This is what I've been. This is what I've read and been told. I've never tried it because no one else plays my Switch. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. And and apparently I've heard that if let's say you start it up, you're like the mayor. She moves in, 
if she like she like starts up Animal Crossing on her profile, so she logs into the Switch yeah. on her profile. She logs in. She becomes a member. Now I think that eats up an animal slot because she lives there now. I don't know. I don't know sure. if that's true. And she can't do anything until you quote unquote beat the game. In, in other words, get all the features, all the features. So you like you can edit the mountains and all all the crap, right? You you unlock the full feature set. Once you have that, apparently then she can do the same. Otherwise she that's can't. Weird. She's not a. She just like gathers bugs, I guess, and stuff. Weird. Very strange. Yeah, that's weird. Very very strange decision on their part. Because um... I think they wanted it like the pocket camp, like where you know one phone one. One file. Um, same with the DS. One one device, one file. But this I mean, is the they're Switch. They're going to sell more devices. They're going to sell more devices because of it. But could you imagine being like a parent and being like, oh, man, let's get Animal Crossing because the kids are stuck in the house. And then it's like, oh, good. Like, yeah, ta- like, like, like Timmy Timmy booted up the game. And now, like, Jimmy's screwed. There it goes. Yeah, Jimmy's screwed. That's it. <sighs> they don't care. Damn them. That's weird. Buy, buy another Switch. Buy another Switch, yeah. Buy a Switch Lite. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Frick. So, on that note... um, Animal Crossing sounds pretty awesome. Doom Eternal, I don't. We, we probably don't have much to say about it because I don't think you've played it. Have you played Doom twenty sixteen? Yes. Okay. Did you like it? I, I got a I got a real problem with Doom, and I mean Doom of all of them. I always okay. I'm always lost. Don't know, really. I, I can't. I don't. Everyone told me that. Everyone like everyone, but maybe like There's one a person that tells you where to go. I never know where it is. Like I never know. I never know how high it is, how low it is. I'm always lost. I'm always like, oh, it's to the east. So I walk east. All of a sudden, like a, the you know the tunnel goes down. So it's like, all right, well it's still east. I continue east, and then I'm down in a tunnel, down in a hole somewhere, and I can't find my way out. There's shit all over the place. The door is locked. I'm lo- I'm stuck down there, and I can't find my way out. And then it's like, oh, I need the blue key sometimes. So maybe I'm going the right way, and I find I need the blue key. I gotta go find the blue key. I go find the blue key, and I'm lost again. I don't know where the hell I am. I'm every Bloom game, the new ones, the old ones, the original one, all of them. I'm always lost. I don't know where the hell I am ever. I know there's a map, can't do it. I don't know what the hell's going on, and that's why I had to stop playing that game. I really liked it, the first one, 2016 or whatever, like the reboot, whatever the hell it is. I've played that one quite a bit. You know how people are like, this is so smooth, I can shoot and I can do this. Yeah, I do that for maybe like 40% of my time. And then 60% of my time, I'm walking around going like, where the hell's the door? Like, what That's direction? super weird. I can't. That is such a weird, I, I don't, I understand what you're saying. Because they do have that system where you have to get the keys and you have to go to special rooms. But I literally don't pay attention at all. I just follow that little little thing on the compass. And I don't even like, I never have to backtrack. I, I <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, say I've never, but I very the whole, rarely the have to backtrack. I've backtracked the whole hell level. No, I've never had to do that. I've backtracked like maybe a little bit, like one area back to get the key, but only like once or twice. Most of the time, while I'm fighting, I kill someone and I go to the next. Uh, I go to the next place, and the key's right there. I don't know. I I think I need to retry. Weird, that, that, I think you need to retry, but you just need to kind of go with the flow. I don't know. It sounds like a hipster thing to say, um, <laughs> but literally just find people to kill and that's like that's what i always go for if there's someone to kill that means i'm going the right direction that any game that i play that's so like, that's pretty that's pretty accurate um yeah that's yeah that, like in any shooter like even call of duty you'll get turned yeah. around you know here and there be like wait what which direction but it's easy to kind of find your way in cod yeah. um but you're right like if you find someone to kill <laughs> then that's basically the direction but like i've i went through the hell level and i couldn't find i went all the way back to the beginning everyone was dead and I spent most of my time trying to figure out where the hell the blue key was or something. I don't remember. It was years ago. And I was like, where the hell am I? Like, what am I doing? I, you know what I think it is? I think the problem is, is I'm used to, I'm used to, 
I'm used to exploring in games. I check like every nook and cranny. I go down the alleys. Like one of the one of my buddies, Aaron, he said he's sick and tired of looking at the ground. He wants to look at these like these really nice landscapes that these developers have made. But instead, we're all looking in the garbage can, seeing if there's a collectible in there. Like we need game design to change a little bit, where I'm not in that alley being like, man, there's probably some something in that garbage can, and sometimes there is. So I don't do I don't do collectibles anymore. Oh jeez. Yeah, I don't do any collectibles. I'm not. I've stopped being a completionist. I used to do it uh, for a lot of games, like all the Vice Cities. All, sorry, all the GTA's. Oh, Christ, I used I to be extremely. I did. I did GTA Three, GTA Vice City, GTA San Andreas, uh, and I stopped on GTA Four. Yeah. So anyway, that one's a pitch. I did not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not doing any completionist stuff. I just enjoy the game when I finished. Unless I want to redo a certain part, I'll, I'm done with the game. That's kind of how I've been playing games, and it's been a lot easier because like, you're right that going into and looking at every garbage can was driving me absolutely crazy. It's too much, man. Like it's 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 yeah, seriously too much to get the trophies and stuff, which is fair enough. So uh, yeah, so we don't have too much to say about Dune Eternal, but I do want to talk about Bannerlord real quick. Uh, Mountain Blade. So Mountain Blade is a uh, medieval RPG sim game where you control you start off as a just a basic person like a blacksmith or whatever you want to start off as it gives you a lot of options like an RPG like it gives you any option you can be like you know a thief or whatever like you can be there's a whole b- massive list especially in Bandlord and you, they get they set you through a tutorial a guided tutorial of like the basic mechanics of the game like walking around on the map doing basic fights, uh, commanding an army, because the game has a lot of elements to it. It's a it's a living world, so the world has, you know, towns, it has castles, and it has massive cities, similar to, like, you know, the, the regular world, like England or whatever. And inside each of those subcategories, like city, uh, city, town, and castle, there's different things you can do. Uh, so in, like, for instance, in a little, t- in a little town, you can get recruits so you can you know pay people like peasants and stuff to to join your army you can get some basic quests from the people there like you know take my cattle and bring it to the other city because i'm afraid of brigandades and bandits uh stuff like that uh there's other there's other stuff you can do in a city you can you know you can raise it technically when you have enough of an army you can burn a city to the ground um kill all the people there but lord yeah (laughs) But then there's castles where you can fortify, you can store people there. When you have enough of a, when you have enough people, and when you've joined an army and stuff, they'll sometimes they'll give you a castle, and you sometimes you can take a castle and stuff like that. There you can kind of fortify, you can build internal things for your army to train and all that. Like there's a lot of things you can do in a castle, and there's cities where you can have like tournaments, you know, like have like a bunch of people come to the city and fight and whoever wins the tournament will get a certain amount of money and a certain item or something like that. Um, then there's like a tavern where you can hire people general, like similar to like a general, I guess, or like a companion to join your army. And th- these are like named characters that you can like then set to have their own army. If you want it's Yes, there's a lot you can do. It's a lot. It's kind of overwhelming to think about it, but you start off slow and you kind of work your way up. Um, but when you get into the fights, it's very much like third and first person fighting situation, like fantasy combat simulation where you're on a horse, you're off a horse, whatever you want. You're leading the army as well. So you have a little bit of an RTS element to it. There are commands that you can do for your army, like, you know, set your what I like to do in my standard one is set my footman to move forward a bit. 
uh, allow my archers to stand back so the footmen are blocking the archers, get my cavalry on an angle to the left, to the left-hand side, and usually I'm the cavalry, so I'm, I get them to follow me, and then I wait for the enemy to come to me, and as they're running up, I send my footmen into charge, and then I take my cavalry and I kind of bring them in on a flank, and then my archers are pelting them as they're charging. So that's the kind of stuff you can do, and that's that's probably my favorite thing about the game. So when you get a big enough army, you can start commanding it live on the field and while you're commanding it you're also you know riding in and killing people left and right because they're the sword play in that game is really fun uh and it's challenging especially in bannerlord bannerlord has increased the difficulty significantly like you can get killed randomly by like a spear being thrown and just right through your head or something it's a lot easier to die in bannerlord than it was in the other games um and when you get died, you get, you, you get cat. When you die, you get captured, and you have to raise your army again and stuff like that. So it's pretty hefty, hefty fine for dying. Uh, but it's fun. It's a fun game. There's a lot to do. Um, there's exploits. It's an early access game. There's bugs. There's definitely bugs. I know uh, one of my friends was playing, and he hit a chest, and his game crashed, and now like his save is pretty much corrupt. Oh, good. Which sucks. Like and th- those kinds of bugs suck and are unforgivable, but it is early access, kind of what you sign up for. You get a discount for playing, so it's okay. Now, is it okay for early access to be after eight years of game development? I don't know. <laughs> that's a question mark. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big one. Yeah, but like I was saying, they literally restarted their entire engine twice, um, and this is their third engine, and it's looking good. But obviously, they had to rework it from the ground up. So I don't know. I don't know. The only Mountain Blade I really played a, a fair bit is the Napoleonic Wars DLC, and I just went online and just hilarious. like firing muskets. Like everyone's just like firing right in front of them, and then and they miss. He looks like the guy's yeah. right in front of you, and you just miss. It's like damn. And then you're just there, oh god. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how everyone was like Literally charging the forts, and like everyone's running, and then they just see like all of a sudden they get accurate, like they just get like lucky with all their shots, and like I went back mm-hmm. to the trenches. What the hell's going on up there? Like, there's people with the drummers on the boats and stuff. But, like, it sounds like they've come a long way from those days where it sounds like... I mean, I don't know how in-depth the first Mountain Blade was, the default one, in terms of raising armies and stuff like that. But it sounds pretty cool where you can actually climb those, like, social ladders, you know? Yeah, you can climb social ladders. You can have children now, and those children can, like, lead their own armies, and you can have... Crusader Kings? What the hell's going on here? It's like Crusader Kings. That is a good comparison if you've played it before. But with an element where you can actually control your army in real time and fight hand-to-hand, first-person or third-person, whatever you want. Like, you, it's your choice if you want to be in first-person or third-person. Right. So it, it has that... Like, when I play that game, that's my probably the pinnacle of my, like, immersion for any game that I play. Damn. I'm a big, I'm a big history buff. Like, I, I really like the medieval times and stuff like that. I like the Roman Empire. So I kind of just... Or I, or fantasy books and stuff like that. So I kind of just make a character and I role play it pretty hardcore to how that character would play and how they would raise an army and how they would do the decisions. Like there's decision making to do in that game as well. That's what the, something that they added in Baron Lord, um, where your decisions matter and stuff like it. It's it's cool and like the world is living. So there's a living economy as well. So you can be a merchant. Like you can play that game and be a merchant and just go and buy butter from one place and then sell it on another place and get money. That's another aspect to it. You can tell your one of your companions to be a merchant so that you can continually funnel money into your, you know, into your kingdom. You can, you know, 
gather an army of all of the lord like if you get a high enough stature in your kingdom you can gather all your lords into one army and go and take on another kingdom where your battles apparently in banner lord can be like you know a thousand on a thousand of like live people running on a battlefield or in a you know a castle siege or whatever damn so i haven't gotten there yet i'm excited about that uh hopefully my computer won't explode (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's a possibility but yeah, that's that. That's I mean, that's the gist of it. I would say there's there's more to it, obviously, just like there is with Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal. But I think I think it's a good. It was a good time for all those games to come out. Probably perfect time because people are stuck indoors. I've noticed a lot of people getting back into gaming. A lot of people want to jump online at night, stuff like that. So it's been a bit of a gaming renaissance, if you will. We actually had sure. like uh, the first Sunday in lockdown. We had like the whole. Well, the majority of our high school crew all playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And I was cool. like, what the hell are we doing? Like, this is crazy. It was like six, seven hours of just this. It was nuts. Yeah. It's, I mean, little positives, right? Like little things that come back. Yeah. Because of this situation. I've noticed myself just not to talk about, I don't want to talk too much about this whole COVID-19 stuff, but I've noticed it becoming a little bit more normal now. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You adapt to just being indoors. Although I still yeah. I still treat the outside like it's poison. But yeah, but but that's even that's becoming more normal. Yeah. Which is Which weird. Is a little scary. Like last week <laughs> I, last yeah, it is scary. Last week was still I was still in full on panic mode half the time, but now it's like panic only comes every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sprinkle of panic. What a what a what an advertisement. Panic only comes once in a while. Yeah. Yep. So that's the positives of all this. Um, I don't know about you, but that's that's a that's about it for me. Yeah. I don't know if you want to run her up, run up the old conclusion. Oh yeah, I do have one question about Mountain Blade though. Ooh, do it. Up. Uh, it sounds to me like it's Crusader King, like I mentioned, but with, and they're probably, they they probably were a heavy influence into Kingdom Come Deliverance. The yes, fr- the bat the the combat system is essentially. Kingdom Come Deliverance took Mountain Blade and put a little bit more on top of it. Mountain Blade is a little bit more crude and simple and more like, I almost want to say esportsy because the, the multiplayer is very competitive. Yeah. And very timing and flick based. Like it's really tough to do. And like there's the, the single player, the single player AI has been way better than the Warband, by the oh, way. Oh, damn. Like they're faking me out and stuff and totally killing me every once in a while. Like I used to never die. Now I die pretty consistently <laughs> in tournaments. Like, I don't win every tournament I enter anymore. I'm sure that'll change once I get the hang of it. But still, it's, it's yes, that's a good Crusade. Kingdom Come, Crusaders, good combination. Like, that's the combination that you want to picture in your mind if you played those two games. Cool. Mix of strategy and sort of like narrative single player. Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. And I always die in Kingdom Come Deliverance, so I'll get my ass kicked in Bannerlord. That's good. Yes. <clears throat> well, uh, I think we can all run the old conclusion then, and I, I'll, maybe I'll maybe I'll, I might pick this up, Mike. <laughs> do it. I might do it. But, uh, do it. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to run the old conclusion now. I think um, I lost my note, so that's why I'm stalling. There it is. Uh, thank you. Unless you have anything else to say. Nope. Okay. I still don't have my notes. Damn it! Come on, Mike. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <It's> just stalling. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, thank you for listening, and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTMLAllTheThings. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's via at HTMLEverything. We're on Medium, and we're on GitHub, and we're on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTMLAllTheThings. Check out the tiers. Give that a go, and many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. Find him at YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. Find him at LocalPathComputing.com. Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer. Find him at SelfmadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker. Find him at TheWebHacker.com. And DL Ford from DLFord.io. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform you're listening to this on. And we are signing off. Yeah.